Which AFC North receiver could see a return to resurgence with a 2021 scheme change? Can one polarizing AFC running back finally achieve fantasy glory this season? And is it time to move a healthy first-round pick from last year further down your boards? Plus, the back-to-back champion in the FFPC Genesis League, Brad Kazima will break down his attempt at a three-peat and give us some rookies he's eye on from a dynasty perspective and more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hours start now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com, including a brand new spanking single as well from the Quiet Hollers just out recently within the last week or so. Greetings and salutations, all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs tuning into the show tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, a big night for, for you and the Quiet Hollers tomorrow in Louisville. Oh, Balky, yes. Tomorrow, uh, a return to the stage for the Quiet Hollers and a show at a at a venue known as Headliners here, and they have worked very hard to turn this into an outdoor, socially distanced venue, the first return of the concert. The show's been sold out uh, for weeks, and, and yes, it'd be great to see uh, Shadrick and, and the rest of the band uh, back on stage uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, no question. That'll be a lot of fun for sure. We're going to have a lot of fun on the show tonight as well, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to break down the Dolphins' backfield, the Jets' backfield, where we think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up playing football this year, if he does, and the two-time defending champ in the FFPC Genesis Classic League, Brad Kazima, a.k.a. Kaz of the North, is going to drop in (laughs) to talk about his selections of Darren Waller, DJ Moore, Ronald Jones, and more in last week's uh, Genesis draft that we covered right here on these airways. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. Brad is on uh, Twitter at Casmo11FF. Um, and then, of course, check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. I just personally drafted in the uh, Run to Daylight uh, Championship last night. Had a lot of fun doing that and signed up for a checkered flag draft coming up on Memorial Day, so I'm very excited uh, to do that. You can do that at kffsc.com. Don't forget about the Draft Masters. And, of course, the main event, live or online, whether you're playing from the comfort of your own home in Cincinnati or Louisville, it is all there as well. The show's Facebook page is facebook.com slash hsffpower. And if you want to give us a call tonight, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You want to email us, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us or for Brad, now is the time to send them in. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Dynasty Startups back in action, going strong at the, uh, at the FFPC at myffpc.com. Don't forget to cash in that free $35 FFPC team when you sign up for the Football Guys Players Championship by the end of June and draft before July 15th. Two six-figure grand prizes in that competition this year. Drafts already underway, and you can save $100 off your first team, $400 off each additional team with the FFPC main event uh, right now, too. That's another uh, half-million-dollar grand prize. 
Uh, $5 Cinco de Best Ball options for best balls uh, at FFPC. Don't forget about the checkered flag at KFFSC.com and the Draft Masters there as well. Thanks to Fall Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's get into it. Rashad Bateman, the rookie receiver who was the 27th overall pick in the NFL Draft this year, has been signed by the Baltimore Ravens to a four-year, $12.6 million contract. He runs six foot, 190 pounds. He led the country in yards per route run from, uh, from out wide as he was a 20-year-old sophomore in the Big Ten's receiver, Big Ten Receiver of the Year a couple of years ago when he was playing alongside Tyler Johnson, who's now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He received 61% of his snaps last year in the slot, um, and his career marks of 36 broken tackles and 15.7 yards per uh, reception are still uh, pigeonhole proof, as NBC Sports Edge put it, in the NFL uh, since he had a, at least one catch in all 31 games for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Not the most dynamic athlete in the world, Farrell, but you got to believe him, Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, uh, out for the Ravens this year. That's an improvement of where they were last year. Um, your thoughts on Bateman, not from a dynasty perspective, but for redraft this year. What are your expectations for Bateman as a rookie catching balls from Lamar Jackson? Uh, this is a very, very dangerous fantasy territory, Balky. This is uh, the Fugazi of uh, fantasy football sure. and receivers. Last night in our draft, um, the KFFSC draft that you were in, uh, he went to uh, our beloved friend Bobby Sangerman in the 10th round. And what we're dealing with here is a player that is wonderfully skilled to do what the Baltimore Ravens need him to do. He could be an all-rookie player. He could uh, possibly even go to the Pro Bowl, be very successful with this team, lead them in receiving, and still be a disaster in putting up fantasy numbers. There's just not enough balls in the air. Last year, uh, Lamar threw the ball 376 times. 88 of those went to the tight end Andrews, not counting all the other uh, secondary tight ends that are utilizing this passing attack. 2,700 yards passing for Lamar. They say they're going to open that up. They said that last year, too. Um, yeah. It, if, he, if he does, you know, Balky, if they do open it up, uh, what is that, a 20% kick? That still puts him very, very low, uh, very in the second half of uh, quarterbacks uh, as far as passing yardage. Uh, I just don't see it. You know, there were three games where uh, Lamar threw the ball less than 20 times this uh, last year. And you might say, well, well, Farrell, those were defensive struggles where they didn't have to pass the ball. They just did it with a running attack. No, the, the, Lamar threw the ball less than 20 times. Uh, the Ravens scored 47, 38, 34 in those games. Quite frankly, is they, they don't have to throw the ball. This player is brought in to be a big-body receiver, to win the contested passes, to catch the ball outside of the passing window, and to block. And he's going to do all those things very successfully. And when he does get a catch, the announcers are going to talk very, very glowingly of him. But he can uh, he, he'll be a great football player who will sink your fantasy team. He went in the 10th round of the KFFSC run to daylight draft last night, as you said, Farrell. On average, he is going at the 11-12. That's the 11-12 turn uh, in FFPC football guys drafts. Uh, since those started uh, about a week and a half or so ago. That's wide receiver 51. Um, certainly you're, you're rolling the dice there, but this is um, right after Devontae Parker and Mike Williams, right before McCole Hardman and Jalen Rager. That's where Bateman is indeed going. Let's talk about another receiver actually in Bateman's division. Juju Smith-Schuster was on the Adam Schefter podcast recently. He says he's going to play more outside receiver this coming season. Um, Smith-Schuster was saying how his role is going to change after we saw him in the slot uh, last year for 103 targets worth. He had 22 targets while he was on the perimeter, 6.5 yards per target. That's almost two full yards less than his career average, 8.6 yards per uh, reception last year. That was three and a half yards under his career average. Obviously, if you drafted Juju Smith-Schuster early last year, you're probably disappointed in his output. Farrell, are you a believer that, that this could be a, a rebound to greatness for Smith-Schuster here with more targets on the perimeter catching balls from Ben Roethlisberger? Yes, especially where he's being drafted, Balky. You'll give us the mojo on that, but uh, I, I, think that, uh, I think that this player represents a bargain there, and he will return to some prominence, and he doesn't have to 
Um, he doesn't have to play like he has in the past, but he has to play better than he did last year. The whole team does, especially towards the end. You know, oddly enough, he was in the slot, uh, not a lot of yards per catch, but even out of the slot, there there were poor uh, passing attempts to him. He couldn't get open in that scenario. Moving him outside lets him get to something that's more traditional wide receiver role for him, and we can get it in early. Steelers have to, of course, accommodate Claypool uh, closer to the ball uh, in the formation. So with those two players there, um, I really like them lining up on one side of the ball and uh, going after it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, you mentioned it. I, I should give a shout-out to Darren Armani, FantasyMojo.com. If you are playing in the FFPC, it, it is a must as far as all the data you can get there. And over the course yes, of the last week and a half of the Football Guys Players Championship, Smith-Schuster is wide receiver 31, currently going in the seventh round. Think about that, too. I mean, he was like a second-round pick last year. He has fallen five rounds. He is now going in the seventh round, right behind Odell Beckham and Cortland Sutton, right ahead of DJ Chark and the rookie, Devontae Smith, out of Philadelphia. All right, so one other thing I want to get into here um, is a situation not of something that happened, but something – Um, that that almost happened, Farrell. Field Yates from ESPN reported that the Dolphins were actually next in line to claim uh, on Johnson before the Eagles picked Mm -hmm. him up off waivers after his release from Detroit. Now, Miami was long expected uh, this whole offseason to either sign a a running back in free agency or draft a significant one, um, you know, as a rookie. Now, neither one of those things happened. And Miles Gaskin, who was, you know, pretty much the, the, the guy last year in the, in the Dolphins' backfield, is the guy we think again in 2021. But, Farrell, if this report is to believe, maybe Miami's not done um, gumming up the works for Gaskin. And it's, it's going to be buyer beware with whatever Dolphins running back you, chose to, you choose to roll with this year, right? Uh, no, Bucky. I'm very bullish on Miles Gaskin, and I think that's a fine bit. Based on where he's going in the draft, uh, I think you're getting bargain, and I think Gaskin is going to be very good. We talked about it on other shows. Uh, Field Gates, I don't know him uh, very well. I looked him up. Uh, seems to be another graduate of the Trent Green School of Face Design. I am sure that he is uh, – <laughs> carry on Johnson talking. Uh, I, I'm sure that that on his speed dial somewhere, one of the Rosenhaus brothers, because uh, they represent uh, Carry On, and they, they're probably talking that up about him coming to my uh, coming to Miami. That's that's an interesting landing spot for him. I, you know, it it um, we don't need to see too much into this commentary. I believe whatever running back is is picked up, um, as this uh, as this column might allude to. Uh, we'll be standing on the sidelines uh, cheering Gaskin on to 1,100 mm. a year and eight touchdowns. You know, I, I have big belief in Gaskin. And, you know, if we want to talk about running backs that are already on the roster, very, very late-round pick at Miami was Jared Dokes, and I like him. If you don't if you don't know him and are not familiar with the work he did at the University of Cincinnati, you ought to take a look. He's got, he's got that trait uh, of a winning runner, good size, and he's overcome a lot of adversity. He missed a year in Cincinnati, which is a whole other story that we don't have time to get into here. But uh, Jared Dokes is a, uh, a very good player, and, and I'll be glad to see him get some of that opportunity in Miami. Well, 244th overall pick in the draft, 5'11", 230. Um, as a guy who didn't start until uh, his senior season, which was a redshirt season at Cincinnati, but 75 yards per game, almost five yards a, a, a carry, that was actually the lowest of, uh, of his career. So um, certainly thing, a player to watch out for, especially when you get later on into your FFPC Dynasty rookie drafts or, or later on in best balls or even later on in Football Guys Players Championship drafts, somebody that you'll want to keep, uh, keep in mind. I do want to point out, too, that uh, Miles Gaskin is going as running back 23 right now. Uh, that is mm-hmm. at the 506. He is going right after Travis, e- uh, beg your pardon, Josh Jacobs and Travis Etienne. He is going right ahead of Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt, and Mike Davis. Keeping it on. Oh, actually, let's go to a question from the uh, chat room right away, Farrell. I, I hesitate to ask you this because I, I think I know where your Pittsburgh Steeler receiver loyalty lies. But Hudson Kern Reeve <laughs> wants to know if we can rank Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool in FFPC points this year. 
I'm guessing you would probably put them uh, Claypool, uh, De- uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. Would I be correct in assuming that? I think they're all going to be interchangeable from week to week, but they're all going to be top scorers for you, and they'll, they'll all need to be week-to-week fantasy starters. If you stack them, uh, I, I don't really see, well, perhaps you could. And if you have stacked two of them, I would say that they need to be on the field uh, together most of the time in your lineup. It's, it's, it, Ben's going to get this straightened out, and uh, this offensive um, uh, coordinator is, is going to come up with a plan that uh, uh, that will work well with the new running back. They're going to have a balanced attack, and uh, they've got a tough schedule. They're going to need physical players, so I may – for that very, very reason, uh, tip my hat in the way of the biggest guy, which is Claypool. It is going to be difficult to stack them, at least in Football Guys Players Championship drafts. Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 21 at the 509. Then it's Chase Claypool as wide receiver 28 at the 607, followed shortly thereafter Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 31 at the 701. So they're all basically within, I would say, roughly a round and a half of each other. Uh, maybe you could pull it mm-hmm. off, but... It, w- it would be tough to do, but, man, I'd love to see it. That'd be fun. Hey, we got Brad Kazima just coming up in one minute here. The last thing I want to get to before we talk to Kaz of the North and how he's won the Genesis League the last two years is um, the running back situation out in San Francisco. Now, there is a point mm. in The Athletic today, um, an interview with Bobby Turner, who is the uh, 49ers running backs coach, and he believes that uh, the rookie, Trey Sermon, is the type of uh, running back that can really succeed in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, When you look at uh, Turner's experience with them, he was with uh, Mike Shanahan in Denver uh, in the 1990s. Terrell Davis, Alandis Gary, Mike Anderson, remember all those guys? They all crushed it, and Turner was the running back's coach there. None of those guys were drafted before the fourth round. Um, Turner, or beg your pardon, Sermon was drafted in the third round, the 88th pick out of Ohio State after he transferred. Um, He can, um, this is what Bobby Turner's saying, his reads, his instincts, his ability to communicate and retain, I like all that. Um, the, the other uh, thing to keep in mind here, Elijah Mitchell, the running back out of Louisiana Lafayette, also went to the Niners in the draft as a six-round pick. But, you know, we consider that Jeff Wilson's still there, Raheem Mostert. Farrell, I know you like Raheem Mostert a lot this year. Do you still like him as much after the Trey Sermon selection in the third round? Uh, yes, but I've had to temper my expectations of him getting touches. There'll be high-quality touches, but will there be enough? We look like a team here that wants to run the ball because he's not necessarily uh, particularly concerned about uh, what they're going to do at quarterback. That that job's going to be determined, and, and it, we could uh, end up splitting time with the two quarterbacks there. So it's a situation where, and, and I love this coaching staff. I mean, you've alluded to it, what uh, Shanahan has done to draw on his father's history in the business. Um, not only is Robert Turner, you know, he's been there 25 years or 25 years of experience, but uh, near and dear to my heart and all Packers fans is Johnny Holland. He's been there for 22 years. Uh, Chris Forster's been in the, the NFL for 21 years, and now he joins O-line there. That, that, Everybody knows about Sermon Balky. Let's put the let's put the uh, spotlight on Mitchell. Mitchell uh, from Erath, Louisiana. Uh, I, I love that part of the world down there. It's uh, you know eighteen hundred miles from San Francisco, uh, and, and you know from a cultural standpoint and a life standpoint, it's eighteen hundred miles from New Orleans. You know, it's just sitting. It, it's it's football territory. Uh, old school Jet fans will. Uh, We'll remember Johnny Hector that came from New Iberia right down the road. And I was just so thrilled to see Mitchell get this opportunity. And he tore it up at the Senior Bowl. He was one of the guys that that daily improved. You know, somebody comes and flashes a day, and then they kind of disappear in practice. This player showed something new, something different, and something to like every day. There's no way that they try to move this player off the active roster and put him on the practice squad. He won't survive waivers, and he'll be playing for someone else. So Mitchell, um, and we talked to so many dynasty players, guys are a lot better at that format than I would ever be. But I can tell you what, Mitchell is a guy that I'm going to put on my dynasty team if I can get it. 
And, and even when you consider redraft, too, Elijah Mitchell in the Football Guys Players Championship, running back 68. He's being drafted at the end of 16th, uh, the 16th round. Uh, you know, so it's, he's still a selection for redraft Sorry. players going behind Carrion Johnson, Salvin Ahmed, right ahead of Jamar Johnson, or beg your pardon, Jamar Jefferson, and one Todd Gurley, by the way. Elijah Mitchell, who would have thought <laughs> he's, it? Uh, he'd, you're he'd exactly drafted ahead right. of Todd Gurley be. his rookie year. Every, everyone... Everyone says, you know, when you have a difficult running back situation to figure out, go with the least expensive option. This player is the least expensive option. It, you know, it's hard to predict the future, but I could see a situation where Mitchell, who shares that acceleration and that toughness that, that we see out of Mostert, and, you know, a lot of injuries in, in the history of this backfield uh, with 49ers. So who knows? I think it's, uh, you, could, you could make many worse 16-round picks. Yeah, and, and that's where he's going. You think about you know the, the two more expensive picks there, Mostert and Trey Sermon, not going that far from each other, actually, in drafts. Mostert running back 30 at the 705. Trey Sermon running back 33 at the 801. That's also Michael Carter and uh, Lombardi-Lenny Fournette territory there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into some championship territory now, Farrell, as I want to bring on tonight's yeah. honored guest. He actually joined the FFPC with some $35 classics back in 2015. Then he entered his first dynasty league with the $500 number 18 league in 2017. Two years after that, he became a, a card-carrying member of the 26ers, uh, whose membership, by the way, now contains one Farrell Elliott as well. After wow. some uh, second-place finishes, he finally uh, took down the 26ers 2.0 dynasty league last year. He is the two-time defending champion of the Genesis League and is here to t- uh, tonight to talk about the draft last week that could give him the coveted three-peat. Please welcome in Cavs of the North himself onto the show. It is Brad Kazima. How's it going, dude? It's going very well, gentlemen. Thank you for uh, having me on tonight. Cavs for the, the three-peat. Yeah, exactly. that's what it is. Yeah, we, we'll, we might be talking about this this time next year, that the Pride of Canada is celebrating a three a third straight Genesis championship, Farrell. Anything's possible. We definitely want to get into that with you tonight, Brad, about how you think your draft went. Before we get into that, tell the listeners what you're doing for a living in the great white north. I am an independent financial advisor in Sherwood Park, Alberta, which is a suburb of Edmonton, about 70,000 people. We, I'm trying to think about this. I, we, we'll talk about Chuba Hubbard in a little bit, but Chuba mm-hmm. Hubbard was a guy that, that you've known for quite a while up there, Brad. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a hometown, uh, hometown boy. Went to high school just a couple blocks from my house. Wow, that's great. Small world. That is great. I, I, love, I, I love the history of some of the Canadian players and so many of them with athleticism and with opportunity to come south and play or propelling themselves uh, into the NFL. CFL will never see that player, will they? <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah. the only guys that usually end up back in the CFL are the guys that burn out in the NFL or get injured. Um, so doubtful. Well, I have to tell you something that, that personally – you should find very alarming. It's because I've been reviewing some of your drafts, and, and I see where you and I are thinking a lot. So that that could have problems leading to a three-peat. We were, we're thinking a lot alike <laughs> here. And one of the you know one of the players that I've been on for a long time is uh, Raiders tight end Darren Waller. And last year um, when I drafted him, people said, you know, you've seen the best of Waller. And I said, well, you know, I don't think so. I think he's going to catch more, and I definitely think he's going to catch more touchdowns. He fulfilled that. 17 improved catches over the previous year in 2020. He went from three to nine TDs. You drafted him as one of the three tight ends in the first round, and I believe Waller belongs there. I've been drafting him there since we started, you know, with some of the classic drafts back in February. So, I'll ask you this, because I still see room for improvement, room for more. Do you think Waller improves on those numbers from last year, or do you think you're just very, very happy to have him and get a repeat performance? Uh, repeat would be great, Farrell. If, uh, I, I think he does have room for improvement, uh, depending on how much the rookies they drafted last year do. Uh, losing mm-hmm. Aguilar, there's a bunch of targets that go out the door there. 
Um, you know, the, the thing that really got me with Waller, I never owned any of them last year and mm. always ended up watching those afternoon games and <laughs> he would be against me. So I watched a lot of them and man, he was just such a, a focus of cars and he played so well last year that this year I, uh, I bought two orphans and he's on both of them and took them in the 12 spot in the Genesis. That's the kind of orphan I, that's easy to adopt. <laughs> I'm trying to think about this. I, I think I, because Waller, I've never historically owned all that much in, in my leagues. And I think I had him, you know, his big, his big breakout year. And then for whatever reason, he just kind of priced himself out of where I was comfortable drafting him the year after that. But guys, uh, you can make it three Darren Waller fans for 2021 on the show tonight because I drafted him as my starting tight end in the KFFSC run to daylight draft last night too. So I'm very excited about that. Looking very forward to all those millions and zillions of targets that he'll see uh, again this year. So Waller was your first pick, Brad, and then you get, um, you actually started a, a big time running back run in the second round with, with your first pick there at, at the 201. You end up going with Joe Mixon there. You had the opportunity to draft, Guys like Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, uh, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, these are all players that, on average, are going ahead of Joe Mixon in drafts uh, with the Football Guys Players Championship. But you have to get your guys. So why was Joe Mixon your guy there? You know what? Those guys are all all great potential breakouts this year. So the, the tough one, um, you know, Eckler has no competition in that backfield or very little. Uh, Swift doesn't have much competition, but – not sure what that Detroit offense is going to do. Aaron Jones had the Rogers question mark and Chubb is, is sharing with uh, hunt for another year. So I've uh, always been a Mixon fan put up with uh, some tough years. So, you know, he's my guy. I think he still has the talent and, and went for it. You know, you are obviously buying in, um, to the wide receiver core with the Carolina Panthers. New quarterback, uh, continued impressive. Um, just, I've just been impressed with the head coach uh, to, to a point where I kind of see him as a throwback to, to coaches uh, that I remember that I was impressed about as a younger guy. And, you know, this week, Teddy Bridgewater and some podcast probably said some things he shouldn't about how the Panthers practice said they didn't practice red zone and that they uh, uh, didn't necessarily practice two minutes. And, and uh, the head coach rule, he said, you know, we're very comfortable with the way we practice and we love Teddy and we wish him very well. And I think that sets a good example through your team. Last week we talked about uh, Terrence Marshall uh, joining the Panthers and, and it's a, the situation where I thought that Robbie Anderson could be a good influence on this player. But the, the mystery player of this receiving core, and I think I have always underrated him, and, and maybe like Balky with Waller previously. I, I've never had this player rostered very often. And it, what can you tell me about D.J. Moore, and what do you expect from him this year? he would kind of fit into that same mold for me as Mixon. I just think he's a talent. I think he's a great route yeah. runner. I think he's great after the ball. Uh, and I think he's dependable. I think that is uh, now new quarterback comes in there. So there's a little bit of a question mark there, but again, I'm just going to take the talent. I think Robbie Anderson is going to be another, uh, I have him in a few of my, my teams and I think he's going to have a good year this year. The rookie, you know, as I'm a little hesitant sometimes with the rookie ride receivers when they're coming into uh, some competitive um, targets. Um, but I just, I, I really like more for the player he is. Okay. I think that's, I like that. That's a great answer. We are talking with Brad Kazima, the uh, Cavs of the North, as it were, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, the back-to-back -back winner of the Genesis League, the champion of the 26ers 2.0 Dynasty Draft or Dynasty League in the FFPC as well. And Kaz, let, let's talk a, a little bit about um, Dallas Goddard here. Because the, when you grabbed him at 601, that made you the first team in Genesis this year to get a second tight end. In fact, some teams didn't even have any tight ends at all. So I want to ask you, not necessarily about the Goddard selection itself, uh, about the player, but the strategy behind this. Were you trying to force a tight end run? Do you kind of think it's important to get two 
um, pretty good tight ends early on. I mean, what were you thinking when you decided to grab Goddard at the 601? Well, part of it was history. So last year I ended up, uh, I had the same draft spot last year and took Kittle as the 12th in the 12th spot who gave me a few weeks of good production before he went out for the year. And I was very thankful that I had no offense in the background. And I also was really lucky to pick up uh, Bobby Tanyan for 39 bucks on waivers. Uh, <laughs> so, so having tight end depth, I don't think, especially if they can uh, play in your flex spot, then that's just bonus. And I think Goddard has the opportunity this year, if Ertz does move on, to uh, garner a lot of targets in there. So I also had Bant and Goddard, kind of the last two guys in a tier, before there was a tier break. So I decided to move on him. Yeah, well, speaking of tier breaks, I've been looking at your running backs, and this is, again, where our minds have have met here and what you should worry about, Kaz. But uh, I I have not hesitated on Ronald Jones, not at all. Matter of fact, uh, I may have drafted him a little higher than even even what you have done. And I I like the way I like the way he runs, and I'm hoping he can hang on to the football and stay on the field longer. There's a number of backs here, complete backfield. They keep adding guys, and and I see some people just throw up their hands and say I'm avoiding that backfield. I'm not. I, I like other backs in that backfield as well, but Jones I like best, and, and, I, and I want him on my team. And so it gave me great validation to see that uh, Jones is on your team. What are you expecting, and how often will you be playing him? I think he's going to have a great opportunity to be a flex player. I ended up with a lot of uh, Fournette last year, and mm-hmm. I, and he did very well down the stretch for me. I had no no Rojo and stayed away from Rojo faithfully. Um, but when you watch the Bucks play, when he got the ball, if he held on to it, you know, he had burst and he, he made some great runs. So mm-hmm. I had to make a calculated guess. I think he's going to have opportunity. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they have any strong competition for him and Cornette. Um, I don't think, um, uh, Bernard's going to take a whole bunch of that. Um, so I think he'll just be a good good opportunity if he gets that role. But he will have games that, that uh, I know for sure he'll, he'll take off. Beautiful. Kaz, um, okay, so, so let's – I teased this earlier about Chuba Hubbard. The only two rookies you drafted in Genesis this year um, were indeed Hubbard and then also Jalen Waddle, who got drafted early um, by the Dolphins in the NFL draft. So – I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast or not, but I, I was never a big Jalen Waddle guy. Oh, you know what? I know I, I said it on a different podcast, but I'm not a big Jalen mm. Waddle guy. But mm. so sort of tell me your expectation on why you like Waddle this year. And I, I know Hubbard sort of has to, you know, he's got to have um, an injury or something, you know, in order to be fantasy worthy. But if that happens, talk a little bit about what you would expect for him as well. Sure. Um, typically, I don't like taking a whole bunch of rookies in redraft. I know there are some of my fellow 26ers love jumping on the rookies and really load up on those. Uh, I like the vets. I like some of the, what you know about the guy. Um, but I was getting thin out wide receiver. Uh, I think Waddle playing with Tua had some opportunity. Um, he certainly got some speed. Hopefully he's healed from that injury. Um, so I think he is one of those kind of top, three, four receivers in the, in the class. And I see him being a, a flex fill in quite a bit. As for Hubbard, I'll admit part of it was a sentimental Canadian pick. Uh, he said <laughs> he's not going to see a whole bunch of uh, field time with CMC. Even if they cut back CMC, if they say they're going to cut back CMC, that's probably cutting them back to 80% of the, the touches. Um, now, we saw an injury bug there yet last year and what that did for Davis. So, uh, good backup. I'll hold them, and I get to pick the Canadian. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I, Kaz, I'll tell you, in, in, in my work as a player agent, when I go around the, around the country and, and I seem to get in touch with some of the uh, Canadian kids that are down here playing, uh, I spoke to one recently, and, and they always have a, a tremendous work ethic and are really, really uh, proper, adequate, and and very pleasant to deal with, and and 
and talk to. It's just, just uh, uh, you know, maybe it's that Canadian upbringing. you got a little bit of that ringing in your voice right now. You know, you haven't challenged anybody or haven't thrown down with anybody yet. But, you know, we, we, we've got to ask you. <laughs> We've we, we got to ask you to continue, continue this genuine and generous personality of, of, of from Canada and, and let us know who are some of the other rookies that you like. Because Balky and I have been following rookies all spring. And, and Balky, I don't know if I'm speaking for you or not. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But we saw very, very few surprises in the draft. It's the first draft I've ever watched where I felt like I had a good feel for every offensive possible fantasy rookie that would be picked. So I, I've got my guys lined up. Can you tell us some of yours without uh, tipping your hand as to your next uh, move as a 26er? Uh, sure. You know what, there is uh, – I was fortunate enough that I've wrapped up my nine dynasty rookie drafts, so there's no, oh more, uh, no more secrets to let out. Um, mm-hmm. I had a pretty diversified group, so I only had a few early picks. I had a couple chase. I had uh, one um, pit that I got through a deal. Um, so I was more in that kind of one eight, one nine range, and it wasn't a very pleasant place to be. I didn't find it. Uh, I did end up, you guys were talking earlier about Trey Sermon, so I did end up with a few shares of Trey Sermon. Um, so I was happy to hear that news clip this morning. Um, I got a few Ramondre Stevenson just because he's mm-hmm. uh, supposed to be a power back and ending up in Belichick's offense. We'll see what happens with him. But I was really, you know, I found the, the and there was a flock of receivers, really good talented ones, but landing spots and opportunity, I just didn't feel comfortable about very many of them. Okay. Fair enough. I've gone rookie crazy. So we'll have to we'll have to get together we'll have to get together around week eleven or twelve and figure <laughs> out who was right. But uh, meanwhile, uh, this class of rookies not known for being as deep as some in the past years. But uh, I see a I see a lot of talent, and I've been picking it. And let's hope some of it plays. But uh, you yeah, I, yeah I there's certainly I found found lots of guys that found their favorite wide receivers whether they were just guys that they studied a lot or or mm-hmm. were fortunate enough to see lots of their games. So um, I think there was lots of talent, uh, just so much uncertainty. Um, and that's kind of why I, I uh, stayed away from them. You know, I ended up with a, a Shara Waddle and a Shara Smith and a Shara Bateman and um, so little bits and pieces of them, but no one that I really loaded up on. Well, as Brad, they say I, I, in Canada, it's a process. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are right. Um, Brad, I'm just kind of curious, when, when you talk about, because we're talking redraft, when we talk redraft on this show, you said that, that you know, historically you've liked the veterans. Is, is that kind of true in Dynasty too? Do you find yourself not going gaga over rookies and, and swapping out those picks for, for more proven players, or has it not always been that way for you? Well, one of the challenges with the 26ers and playing in their leagues is that there are mm-hmm. a few of the guys that go really gaga over rookies. Oh, um, yeah. We got guys that, that uh, go hard on rookies. I got guys that go hard on uh, tight ends, guys that go hard on running backs. Um, so you kind of have to roll with those punches in a way and find out where your niche is and where you get your value. Uh, so I like to think I'm not paying too much for the rookies. I like them, and they certainly – I have lots of them end up on my lineups eventually uh, through deals and stuff like that. But during drafts, I sometimes don't see the value in them. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll say one um, thing about drafting with the 26ers. It, it reminds me very much of going uh, live to Las Vegas because if you think of a player and can make a case for picking him, you better pick him. Because don't, don't fool yourself that he's going to be there when he comes back around, rookie or veteran. And it, it, I've, I've experienced that uh, it, almost in every round. And because of that, I've been elevating the players that I want. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one aspect I love of drafting with you guys is, uh, you know, the team is going to be uniquely yours when you're finished with it because if you hesitate and think you're going to get someone later, you're most likely going to be wrong. Brad, let, 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 
Yeah. Yes, they are. No doubt. And they've, they've shown that time after time over the last several seasons here in the FFPC. I always like covering uh, the Genesis League with, uh, with the 26ers live for sure. Um, Brad, I do want to get to a couple of emails from some listeners here. Um, the first one is uh, from Andy in Pensacola, Florida. He writes, hi, Brad. Are you seeing any value on the perimeter passing attack for the Patriots this season? I'm wondering if Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, or even Nikhil Harry is worth a dart throw this year. Nice work in Genesis, man. That is Andy in Pensacola, Florida. Andy, thank you for the email. Um, Brad, do you have any thoughts on that between Aguilar, Bourne, and and Harry, any of those guys tripping your trigger given where they're going in FFPC drafts? Absolutely. uh, We were going to talk about some later round flyers. I ended up with a lot of Aguilar this year. Uh, In rookie Mm. drafts, round, round six, he was always there. Uh, Patriots paid him a lot of money. Uh, don't know who's going to be quarterback. That's going to be the one caveat to him. But uh, Bill doesn't like to spend money, and, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully they're going to to use him. So he could be a real surprise target hog. I, but Farrell, how did, did we have we talked with Patriots receivers with you at all? I feel like we touched on Harry, but we haven't talked about Aguilar born much with you. Uh, Aguilar to me is a wonderful selection, I, and I think he is. Uh, I, I think it was he wouldn't have been run away from too many teams uh, like he was for the Raiders. I think something at the end of the season, uh, perhaps it was the Miami game, bad taste. You know, they just in the mouth just decided to uh, to part ways. But I, I think he'll be part of that New England culture, and I think he'll benefit from that. So yes. And and he was very productive, and and could separate from from coverage all over the field. He's he's physical. He can get off the line. He can beat you deep. He's difficult to cover. And uh, I, I agree with Kaz. You know, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback, but both styles of the quarterback, he'll be responsive to. So I really like the acquisition, and and he would be my he would be my go to patriot here. I'm not I'm not too impressed. Um, with many of the other receivers, just from the from from what I saw uh, this past year, and you know Myers caught about fifty five balls, but never found the touchdown, never found the end zone last year. According to uh, Football Guys Players Championship ADP data, Nelson Aguilar is currently going as wide receiver sixty five in the fifteenth mm-hmm. round right now. Kendrick Bourne is uh, wide receiver one hundred and five. He is going in the twentieth round uh, when he is picked. He isn't always picked. And then Nikhil Harry um, isn't even being drafted right now, too. So I, I think that, that everybody's on board with you guys. Aguilar is the pick if there's going to be any value with the Patriots receivers this year, especially no Julian Edelman there uh, as well. Something to think about. Um, one more email here before we get to Farrell's final question for you, Brad. George in Greensboro, North Carolina. Greetings, Kaz of the North. Who makes for a better <laughs> backup running back stash? Gus Edwards? or Jamal Williams. George, thank you for the email. We appreciate you listening. So you have Gus Edwards. You would like to think backing up J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, but who the heck knows there what Harbaugh is capable of. And not the first time I've said that, too, although I'm usually referring to his brother. And then Jamal Williams um, backing up DeAndre Swift in Detroit. So, Kaz, your thoughts on on who makes the better running back, uh, backup running back stash this year between Edwards and Williams? I wondered if that fella has access to my uh, lineups because I own both those guys mm. a lot. Uh, really? I like Gus Edwards. I, yeah, I uh, I don't know if it's going to be. He'll certainly be the number two in Baltimore, but to be a 65-35, 60-40, um, I think he showed really well last year. They're a running team. Um, I know they got their receiver. They drafted their receivers this year, but I still think that's their bread and butter. And I think with a running quarterback, it opens up holes. And if he gets his playing time, I think Gus Edwards is a, a great guy to have on your roster. Just just to get that. this right now, as far as the, their ADP goes, Gus Edwards running back 45 at, at the 11.05 right now. So obviously, a, you know, literally a mid-round pick. Jamal Williams, when I look him up, he is – and why I just had it now. Why can I not find it? Boy, why does this always happen? Jamal Williams running back 52 at the 1208. So Edwards going a, a little over a full round um, ahead of Williams right now, but both in that sweet spot where you want to take those running back steps. Um, Williams going right around Chuba Hubbard, Latavius Murray, J.D. McKissick. That's all the territory there. 
And then uh, Edwards, Daryl Henderson, Jeff Wilson, and Devin Singletary, uh, that's where they're going. So that's, you know, you're looking at seven running backs over the course of about a round and a half there um, as far as that goes. Um, Farrell, we, we have, uh, we have um, enjoyed Brad in, in, uh, on the show tonight and picking his brain. Before we let him go, we do have to ask him one more question. Yes, we do. Brad, we're going to have to get you to come out of your uh, to come out of your true spirit as a 26er and, and, and as a Canadian. You're going to have to go negative because you're going to have to tell me somebody that you're completely avoiding. And then, and you've touched on some of them already, but I got a feeling that your list is deep. Uh, this is the time of the year when everyone starts to think about who is that sleeper, who isn't being talked about. So somebody that you don't want any part of and somebody that is uh, a crafty sleeper for you. Okay. Uh, easy to do, and it's not even being that hard. I'm just going to say I would not pay the price that he's going at, but I'm completely off Cam Akers. I think that uh, him going as RB, between RB4 and 6, I think, probably now, is way too risky. He looked great at the end of last year, but I still think that Henderson was banged up. Uh, yep. still lingering from his earlier injury. And I'm not convinced that Akers is the bell cow that everyone is drafting him at. Impressive. Uh, a first-round bus, Balky. We haven't had a first-round bus come out of this question all season. Now, that's impressive. What about a Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, and then for me, I had two sleepers. Besides, uh, you guys that were talking a lot about my back end of my, uh, my Genesis draft here, but um, – and I think you talked about him during the draft, Farrell, Rashad Perryman. I think yeah. that uh, uh, Detroit's going to be playing from behind a lot. They're going to be lots of garbage time. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a great uh, collector of garbage points in Detroit. And then mm-hmm. I thought Farrell was going to talk about my other guy earlier when he went to Dokes. Um, the other guy I'm grabbing in the last round of all my drafts is Ahmed from Miami. Um, I think he showed some good burst and some good play last year when Gaskin was injured. Um, I'm not convinced that they've thrown in the towel on him yet. What more do you know about that player? We're talking about the first name is Salvan. Yeah, Salvan Ahmed, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, that's the player from Washington, right? University of Washington? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's a good player. That's a good player. Yeah. Farrell just knows he that uh, by, by whatever they did in high school and college. Um, that's, how, <laughs> that's how he references all these guys going forward, um, which I totally get. It makes sense. Um, Brad, th- what a treat talking to you tonight. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's Thank not you. often we get, we get the, the Genesis champ um, on these airwaves. It's not often we get a back-to-back Genesis champ on these airwaves, and it's not often – or it's never happened where we got a back-to-back Genesis champ the the week after he may have just drafted the three-peat team. So very excited uh-huh. to talk to you tonight. We got a lot of – gleaned a lot of insight from you. Thank you so much for carving out a little time on a Thursday. We will all follow you on Twitter at Casmo11FF. And uh, don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you again real soon. Good luck in Genesis and uh, the 26ers 2.0 in all your leagues this year, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Really enjoyed it tonight. It was great. Kaz, of Kaz course, ladies and gentlemen, good, good stuff from him tonight. Uh, always appreciate when we get one of our, our friends to the north coming on, Farrell, and much like um, the uh, Canadian football players themselves, like Chuba Hubbard, uh, he didn't disappoint. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes um, I feel like people – here's the thing with, 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 um, with the high-stakes fantasy football hour. I, I think initially when we started – um, the Dizzle and I were talking about bringing these guests on, and I said, we're going to learn so much from these, these guests. We're going to learn all these mm-hmm. things we never thought of before. And, and we, you know, we have learned some revolutionary things, not always you know, the most um, uh, financially uh, and fiscally rewarding things when you talk about drafting in high-stakes fantasy football, but definitely some new, ter- new terms, new, new tactics. But then we get a guest on like Brad that I don't, necessarily think they're out to reinvent the wheel right they're just out no. to win leagues and and sometimes it's a good reminder of like sticking your guns going with your gut getting your guys having confidence in your process and how you do it 
And look what he's done. Won Genesis the last two years, and he won the 26ers Dynasty League this past year, too. So always good to talk to players like that that can reinforce our beliefs or, or shed some light on some things that maybe we've ignored. Yeah, I mentioned it's great validation. And, you know, in, in Waller's case, so that's a perfect example. We led with that um, uh, that question uh, about the, the, the Raider tight end. Now, he said, if I can get that repeat performance, I'll take it. So he's comfortable with that. He understands that. I'm going to tell him that, uh, you know, that there's room for more. Uh, and and he, he alluded to that. But there were six or less targets for Waller uh, in four games last year. Now, he did have double-digit targets in seven games. And that glorious game uh, with the Jets where he was targeted 17 times, caught 13 for 200 yards, that was fascinating. And the announcers just finally, oh, hum, uh, uh, there's, uh, there, there's Waller again with a 15-yard reception on the first down. <laughs> You know, he just, he just became old hat and expected in the game. But, um, yeah, I, I see potential room for uh, uh, for statistical improvement for Waller again. And, and there's – there's a, a this is the first uh, – this is the first uh, person we've had on the show and the first person that I've talked to that's mentioned that excellent depth in, in the Miami backfield. And I'm not sure, despite the play from Ahmed last year, and the great college play from Jared Dokes, uh, I, I'm not so sure we can find a lot of fantasy players that can can uh, tell you who those uh, who those two are. And uh, you know, Kaz has a has a great understanding of what's going on in that backfield. Farrell, far be it for me to create even more controversy between the Genesis and Revelations drafts. Not, not controversy, mm-hmm. but maybe bad blood. But, you know, the unofficial mascot of this show and the official mascot of the Revelations draft, our good buddy Ron Meyer, at Tupacker on Twitter, has said for years that Revelation sets the ADP. Now, I don't want to, you know, just go throwing everything into uh, um, oblivion here. But ever since Darren Waller was made that... uh, that uh, final pick of the first round to to make him a, a third tight end going in the first round. According to Football Guys Players Championship data, he has nudged ahead of George Kittle to be the second tight end being drafted in FPC leagues right now. Now, did Kaz of the North and the Genesis drafters have anything to do with that? Perhaps. But who are we to tell? We're just reporting the facts here on the show, mm. and these are the facts as they were faithfully submitted by Douglas C. Niedermeyer here this 13th day of May 2021. All right, moving on to, uh, to a couple of emails here tonight. Now, Farrell, this is something that has eaten up a lot of my time in uh, doing my um, sports talk show in, in Northeast Wisconsin here in uh, weekday afternoons. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we have an email about him. And it's yeah. from Howie in Columbia, South Carolina. So this is clearly, oh. as we've seen uh, from national media, this is uh, affecting everybody nationwide. How are you two luminaries handicapping the Aaron Rodgers situation? Packers, someone else, or retirement? Thanks. That is Howie in Columbia, South Carolina. Farrell, I, I think we broached this, but we haven't really gone deep into it at all. Do you have mm-hmm. any feelings on, on, on how you would treat your drafts in regards to Aaron Rodgers right now? Well, he asked us to handicap it, right? Yes. Uh, one to five, Rodgers returns to the Packers. Um, eight to one that uh, he plays for another team, and uh, 80 to 1 that he retires. Uh, so I, I, I really I think I'd agree with the, all those. And, and, Farrell, the only thing I would, and I don't even know if I disagree on it with, with you, I might push that 8 to 1 to more like 15 or 16 to 1. I'm well, pretty confident. Well, the only, reason, the only reason that I would give it those odds is is the team that's in position to get him the Denver Broncos have have such assets to trade for him and, and cap space. It, it, yes, and so it, it's a fit. Um, and and the you know the general manager uh, Peyton is uh, very familiar. Well, who isn't familiar with Rodgers? But being at the Vikings for all these years, um, he's been in a uh, unique position to understand who Rodgers is. He's a California Bear guy. Um, a lot of same backgrounds. Uh, you know, this is, if this team is run by a, 
a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's a lot of reasons to think this might work. But uh, I think what fantasy players are concerned about is Rodgers not playing. And I'd say that's the longest shot that that you could imagine. And, uh, you know, the competitive aspect of this player, uh, if you read him on the field when things don't go right or he thinks he hasn't been given the opportunity to win or make things right, is disgusted. And then the other thing is that he loves the teammates. You can see how they're all talking about him. And they wouldn't be talking about him this way if that love back and forth wasn't mutual. So this guy won't survive outside of the locker room. You know, and that's the part of football that that we don't see but is of the most important the football and the family that he is he is in. So that's what's going to bring him back, even with the general manager uh, there in, uh, in in Green Bay and, and and what happened with some of the coaching decisions last year. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a wonderful uh, thing to watch. I I don't I don't want to throw any pundits or analysts or reporters under the bus here, even though I have publicly on on airwaves up here in, ahead, in Wisconsin. Paul. No, I don't want to. I don't. That's not my no. style, and I shouldn't be trashing well, people. I want you to. But I'm gonna. Uh-huh. But I'm gonna say this, Farrell. I'm, I'm gonna say this. Um, John Kuhn was on NFL Network uh, again yesterday. This is the second time I think he's been on there in the last week. Mm-hmm. James Jones, obviously on NFL Network. These are guys that are actually talking to Aaron Rodgers. These are guys that mm-hmm. have texted, that they've called, and and we're getting very positive vibes about the situation being fixable and that he comes back to Green Bay. Now they they've stopped short of saying, oh, he's for sure coming back. Um, which I, you know, mm-hmm. how can, how, how can we, how can anybody know what Aaron Rodgers believes or thinks right now, except for him, right? He's the only guy who knows mm-hmm. what he's thinking. Um, but I, I tend to put a lot more weight into those comments than anonymous sources or reporters who aren't talking to Rodgers or any, you know what I mean? I, I just think that, and that's, and I put my money where my mouth is last night, Kentucky run the daylight draft. I took Aaron Rodgers at the 10 4 I felt great about it. In fact, I was hoping he would get sure. to me. I didn't even know if he was going to get to me, but I'm very thrilled to get him there. I was very happy with that. I think he's going to be back with Green Bay. I don't think he has the season in 2021 that he did in 2020, but I bet it's pretty close, and, and I'm excited to get him in the 10th round. Um, moving on to uh, Al. Al's email from Austin, Texas. Now that the Eagles added on Johnson through waivers after drafting Kenneth Gainwell, does that make Miles Sanders someone to avoid in FFPC drafts this season? That is Al in Austin, Texas. Al, we thank you so much. I can tell you right now, in Football Guys Players Championship drafts, Harold, Miles Sanders has tumbled uh, a little bit. We, we saw him go as high as the 101 in some Football Guys drafts last year. He was consistently going in the mid to latter part of the first round. This year, running back 18 at the 305. Considering the Eagles drafted a pass catcher, considering they picked Kerryon Johnson up off waivers, are you worried about a potential timeshare or maybe Miles Sanders not being on the field on third down for Philly this year? I can't imagine it. I think Miles Sanders gets plenty of play. These are, these guys are being picked up for a reason, and Kerryon Johnson's got some skills. He's a, a second-round draft pick at the running back, if I'm not mistaken, and teams don't pay that draft capital for running backs that, that can't help, and you know he got into the he got into the situation, which is the Detroit Lions. So, you know, you expect if he gets a landing space, he's going to start a new career and be very good. Miles Sanders, uh, he's going to have enough to to take advantage of it and be a fantasy player that that will give a return in the middle of the third round. And think about Philadelphia's team last year and all the things that they had to do to put together an offensive attack both at the running back and the receiver position. They feel that they've got to get more talent on the team. You know, Boston Scott, the giant killer, is still there. But, you know, he's a, he's an undersized third-down player. Uh, they need depth at the position. Miles Sanders is, is their go-to guy. Uh, Miles Sanders in the middle of the third round is an excellent pick. I chose him today. I, um, I, I'm looking at um... – one final email here be, before we, we call it a show, and that oh. is uh, Fred Fred in Pomona, California. Fred writes in, hello, Balky and Farrell. Fred's emailed us before. He's a longtime listener. Hello, Balky and Farrell. Who is the guy to draft in the Jets' backfield this season? And none is indeed an acceptable answer. Great work on the live draft coverage last week. That is Fred in Pomona, California. Fred, thank you for listening. Thank you for emailing, obviously. So when we get into the um, into the um, 
the Jets backfield, Farrell, it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of wild. It's kind of wacky. There's a lot of players there. You have the rookie in uh, Michael Carter. You have mm-hmm. uh, the free agent signing in Tevin Coleman. Um, Josh Adams and Ty Johnson are also there. And don't forget about LaMichael Pirine. Is there a player there that I've named that you would be willing to put a chip on um, for fantasy-wise this season, or is it a situation to avoid for you? Uh, because of the relationship with the coach, you go back to March uh, March 20th, I believe, is when is, is when uh, uh, he signed with uh, the Jets, and and that's that's Coleman. So, so because of the relationship with Robert Sala, they, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Coleman to get the best chance to to play um, it, in this situation. He is a uh, you know Coleman. Very, very familiar with him of what he did at Indiana, and it's it's been a while since he came out in 2015. But uh, you know, the talent, the big playability, it's all there. We remember it. I think there's something still left in the tank for this player because uh, uh, Stala is is uh, is no dummy, and he has talent around him, and he is a loyal players coach, but not to the point of giving players opportunities that, that they don't deserve. And so when, you know, this got my attention, uh, when, uh, after taking that job, he immediately signed Coleman. Uh, the, the Carter is a very good college running back. Uh, you know, Coleman's got about three or four inches on him. Carter, low to the ground, uh, power runner is a good player. They'll have a mix in the Jets' backfield, and the Jets have an offensive line that's coming together with one of the biggest tackles in the game. Don't discount it. The answer is not none. And Coleman, you know, I know you'll go consult the mojo, Bucky, but Coleman basically is, is a giveaway player. It, it's, it's close to the very end of the draft after the kickers and defenses for some teams go. Uh, Coleman is still on the board. You are right. Uh, Tevin Coleman is going fairly late. Now, the only – okay, so just I'm just going to give you Carter and Coleman's ADP because seemingly that's the only two players that are being drafted right now. Michael Carter right. is going first at running back 31 at the 708. I think we mentioned that earlier in the podcast when we were talking about Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. But that's where Carter's going. Now, Tevin Coleman is going much later, running back 56 at the 1404. Um, and that's wow. the territory of Ramondre Stevenson, Tariq Cohen, Philip mm-hmm. Lindsay. Well, actually, I like quite a bit this year uh, for his value, and then Darrington Evans. So I think that um, that if you look again, we, we Farrell, you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes take take the cheaper option. Tevin Coleman's going to be uh, cheaper than Michael Carter, and I believe, and I have nothing but speculation to go on. I believe Carter's ADP is going to rise as we get closer to to main event season and and the the actual start of the NFL season as well. We'll see what happens, but I think that's where it's going to go, and Coleman might be even more of a bargain. Um, we had nothing but bargains on the show for you tonight. Uh, a lot of the, all the analysis was free. There's some very, some very talented players um, and, and, and uh, co-hosts as well. So, Farrell, I want to thank you for popping on. Enjoy the show in Louisville tomorrow. I'm going to see Aladdin Jr. with my kids tomorrow. Can't wait there for that. That'll be, that'll be an epic night, different kind of fun, I think, than you'll be experiencing <laughs> tomorrow. But thanks so much for popping aboard on Thursday, dude. Thank you, Valky. We'll see you soon. Check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Don't forget to um, uh, follow him on Twitter at JFarrellElliott. Um, I just drafted another league there. I'm actually going to be drafting in the um, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship checkered flag uh, championship, which I actually was fortunate enough to win last year. I'm going to defend the belt in a league on May 31st. So if any of you don't have any memorial day plans and you're looking to get into a draft i think it starts at like eight or nine eastern that night um but that's when i'll be drafting and, and defending the belt i might hop in another one of those yet too I'm, I'm not really sure yet but you can sign up for that at kffsc.com all right ladies and gentlemen that is going to do it for our show this evening i do want to thank kaz of the north brad kazima for popping aboard tonight you can follow him on twitter at kazmo 11 ff Farrell Elliott, I want to thank him, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. Now, um, we will not be back on Friday. It's going to be another Thursday show next week, 10, 9 Central. We will be back on Thursday, I believe. I don't want to say his name yet because he hasn't crossed the T's and dotted the I's yet, but I believe we'll have a very accomplished Football Guys Players Championship winner 
on the show on Thursday. Look for your, uh, who's never been on this show too uh, before. So I've never interviewed him. It'll be a lot of fun if we can get him on. If not, we'll get somebody else that is going to help you guys out in your drafts uh, for sure in, in, in any event. A reminder to register for all your FFPC best balls at myffpc.com. Don't forget about the dynasty startups that are going strong, as well as getting in on the Football Guys Players Championship Early Bird Competition. Get uh, Football Guys Players Championship Competition Early Bird Promo, which is a free $35 FFPC team. Want to make sure you guys are getting free team credit for that. Save $100 off on the FFPC main event. Well, two and a half weeks till that early bird expires for the main event, so get in on that. And, of course, the KFFSC checkered flag competition at KFFSC.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back on Thursday. Your early start to the weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. want to thank uh, Frederick the Younger, of course, for our outro music tonight. Check out their music, frederickthejounger.com. Um, and one of the other things, I, I feel like I didn't uh, give shout-outs to everybody in the chat room. Normally, when we don't do the show on a, on a Friday, the chat room is a little bit uh, lightly attended. Not tonight. We had a bunch of uh, very accomplished players in there. Stuart Keene popped the board. Obviously, Kevin Williamson was in there. Wayne Ellis, uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve, a um, bunch of – and I'm probably forgetting some others that were in there too. Um, but I'm just seeing now – 26er Dynasty podcast. I don't know who that is. I didn't know there was an FFPC 26er Dynasty podcast. I'm going to have to do some searching on this and, and check that out uh, for sure. So, um, yeah, I might be mentioning that on the show going forward. I had no idea that this was a thing. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again at 10, 9 Central next Thursday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. <laughs>